you turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Samuel 24, 1 Samuel 24, that's page 314 of your pew Bibles. We'll be reading the entirety of 1 Samuel 24. Before we read from 1 Samuel 24, we will be reading the Lord's Day. This, this evening we're going to read the Lord's Day first. That's Lord's Day 39. That can be found on page 246 of your Forms and Prayers book. 246 of your Forms and Prayers book. Before we read God's Word, let's ask for his blessing in prayer. Father in heaven, we bring before you our petition to heed your word and that you would speak to us in it. Open our hearts that we would receive it and know it and know it to be truth. Give us understanding for your will and the fifth commandment and how we are to not only honor parents but all those in authority. Lord, we pray that as we would leave here, we would even have believing with an increased thought and increased desire and and the ability even to to honor those in authority over us, convict convict us of sin, as well as give us wisdom for how to keep your law. We ask this in your name. Amen. Beginning with the Lord's Day, this lesson, what is God's will for you in the fifth commandment? That I show honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and mother, and all those in authority over me. Submit myself with proper obedience to all their good teaching and discipline, and also that I be patient with their failings, for by their hand God wills to rule us. That is Lord's Day 39. Now we turn to 1 Samuel 24, and the reason we read this, this isn't perhaps a typical text we might go for this, the fifth commandment on honoring your father and mother, but it illustrates Uh, in David's own life, how he honored one in authority. And even in a specific and and unique situation, David at this point has already been anointed to be the next king of Israel by Samuel. And so there's a a certain level where he is the the true king, the, the next king to reign. Saul at this point has already tried to take his life, has already tried to kill him, and is pursuing him with men seeking to take his life. We read this in 1 Samuel 24. When Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, Behold, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the wild goats' rocks. And he came to the sheepfolds by the way where there was a cave. And Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave. And the men of David said to him, Here is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. Then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And afterwards David's heart struck him, because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. Afterward, David also arose and went out of the cave and called after Saul, My Lord, the king. When Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the earth and paid homage. And David said to Saul, 
Why do you listen to the words of men who say, Behold, David seeks your harm. Behold, this day your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you today into my hand in the cave. And some told me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not put out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, see the corner of your robe in my hand. For by the fact that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, you may know and see that there is no wrong or treason in my hands. I have not sinned against you, though you hunt my life to take it. May the Lord judge between me and you. May the Lord avenge me against you, but my hand shall not be against you. As the proverb of the ancients say, out of the wicked comes wickedness, but my hand shall not be against you. After whom has the king of Israel come out? After whom do you pursue? After a dead dog? After a flea? May the Lord therefore be judge and give sentence between me and you and see to it and plead my cause and deliver me from your hand. As soon as David had finished speaking these words to Saul, Saul said, Is this your voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. He said to David, You are more righteous than I, for, for you have repaid my good, whereas I have repaid you evil. And you have declared this day how you have dealt with me, and that you did not kill me when the Lord put me into your hands. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him go away safe? So may the Lord reward you with good for what you have done to me this day. And now behold, I know that you shall surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. Swear to me, therefore, by the Lord, that you will not cut off my offspring after me, and that you will not destroy my name out of my father's house." And David swore this to Saul. Then Saul went home, but David and his men went up to the stronghold. Ascends this reading of God's word, a rather illustrative story, a narrative of what David had done, and how he acted with, without reproach, above reproach, and honored one who was king, one who was anointed, though who was being seeking to take his own life. And we read that to, to orient ourselves to this commandment, this commandment to honor father and mother. You even see in this text the honor with which David speaks to Saul, calling him his father, when only a few chapters before, as, as David had tried to play and calm Saul's spirit, he tried to pin him to the wall with a spear, as he tried to use his forces, his hand-picked men, to destroy David's life. And David treated him with respect and honor. David told him that, that the Lord defend me, but I will not reach out my hand. I will not strike you. And he showed honor. And that's what we look at this evening. The fifth commandment, that command to honor father and mother. Most of us, indeed probably all of us, are well aware that that command is broader than merely to honor father and mother, but, but them as well as all in authority, which is what the Catechism explains too, that we are called to honor those God has put in authority over us, to be above reproach in our dealings with them, to submit ourselves to them. Now, submission, respect, honor, those are not exactly characteristics that we would praise in our day and age. We find it very difficult to submit to others in authority. We find it very difficult to be in a position where we have to show honor, where we have to, to bite our lips, where we have to obey. And we see this in, in aspects of our life. We see that in the home with, with parents and kids. We see that in society with civil rulers and magistrates and, and the people of the, the, the members of the nations and how they respond. We see that in the church 
with the church officers and congregants, and, and there is often a certain amount of strife between those in authority and between those who are called to submit. And what would God's word tell us about that? Well, in the family, sadly, our world presents an expectation that kids will, at least for a portion of their lives, look at their parents and treat them, if not with contempt, with a certain amount of disfavor and dissatisfaction. We sort of just accept that. That's, that's to be normal. That's to be young, right? I, I, I struggle to see where in God's word that that is ever legitimized. Where, they, where, where you have the, the get-out-of-jail-free card, go sow wild oats, go, go be dishonoring to, to your father or your mother. Go ahead, it's expected of you. God never says that. In fact, those who blatantly and repeatedly dishonored their parents in the Old Testament were punished with death. That is how God looked upon dishonor in the home. Is it any better in our society and in, in the way in which we treat our rulers and magistrates, the, the leaders of the land? Do we treat them with honor and respect? Do we treat them with half the amount of honor that David did Saul to, to someone who was literally trying to murder him? Had made that attempt. He was using the full force of, let's just say, the law at his disposal and seeking to kill David. We are not even in those positions. And even if we were, would we honor civil magistrates and rulers and authorities? The sad reality is, it is it, it, just as we would expect a certain amount of dishonor to come from kids to parents, we, we, we kind of expect ourselves to just be able to dishonor those in authority over us and those God has set in authority over us. We can say what we want about them because we function under this idea that they need to earn honor before we give it. And that's just not true. God has given them a position. God has given, has given them authority. We are not to judge and say whether or whether or not they are worthy of our submission and of our honor. We, when we've talked about this before, know that that doesn't, that doesn't mean the church and Christians should not speak against what is evil, should not speak against what is false. David is clearly doing that with Saul. He's not saying what Saul's doing is right. He's even condemning these actions. He's saying, I am innocent and you are guilty. So he's speaking truth, but not with any dishonor. Or maybe I should put it in a different term, not with any disrespect. But do we disrespect the authorities God has put over us in society. What about in the church? And the church elders are often dishonored. After all, we might think, how dare they set themselves up above us? Now that's what we might think, and the reality is God has set them there. And the reality is they will give an account. But God has placed them in authority, and, and we, can, we can sort of treat their position and their words as if it's just advice that we can take or leave. Treat it with disrespect or dishonor, not honor the office. That routinely happens in the church broadly. That happens in our own church, especially in disciplinary cases where the words of the elders are, are ignored, mocked even. Are they authorities that God has put in place? Well, clearly, yes. Does their word matter? How do we honor them? You know, in each sphere, we can dishonor in many ways. And we can do this in every sphere, but I think it especially applies to church and the home. I think the greater number of breaking this commandment, of infractions of this commandment, 
isn't actually the, the words that we might just spout off to our parents that are dishonorable. It's not necessarily that. It's not necessarily even in hostile action we might take against them. That is bad enough, and that happens, and that's, that's clearly not right. But I think there's a far, far greater number of infractions to this commandment when it comes to this, the positive side. Because showing honor is, is far more than just don't treat them with contempt, but to honor them, to go to them, to respect them, to value them, and I think especially in the church and in the family, we, we fail to do this out of neglect, out of ignorance, out of disuse. Perhaps that's how we can break this commandment the most. Disuse. The authority might be there, our parents might be there, the elder might be there, but we do not treat them as something that has honor, or what does that mean? As something that has weight. As something that has significance as a source to go to and to seek out. No, again, we seem to, to live withholding that and not giving it until we are ready, until it's at our, our time and place to ask for advice, and we'll ask who we want to ask for advice. That is such an American concept, this idea that, that yeah, well, we'll ask who we want to ask, and we're this rugged individual that, what, doesn't have God... God's authorities over you in home and church that are already there in place, already the route that we should take to honor. Scripture gives many examples of those who uphold honor, and even in areas like, like David that we might call absurd levels. Look at some of Scripture's witness here on these points. God's word tells us that we are to honor even dishonorable leaders. And even when disobedience to their word was necessary, when, when people of the Lord would be called to disobey their rulers and authorities, it was not done in disrespect or dishonor. It was done in an honorable way. With patience, with, with, not with glee, but with sorrow. This commandment is one I'm afraid many of us violate regularly and with very little remorse. I think we do function according to, I will give honor to who I want to give honor to. And that's just wrong. Now, you can give a certain amount of respect to those who are worthy of it. That's true. But all your authorities are ones you honor and treat with respect. God's word doesn't say that we don't give honor unless they've earned it. Now, I want to go through an onslaught of verses here that explains how we are to, to keep this commandment, what God's word has to say. I'm just going to go one to the next. Exodus 22:28 says, You shall not revile God, nor curse a ruler of your people. Ecclesiastes 10:20, Even in your thoughts do not curse the king, nor in your bedroom curse the rich, for a bird of the air will carry your voice, or some winged creature tell the matter. Ephesians 6, one. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Ephesians 5.22. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Colossians 3.20, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. 2 Timothy 3.1 and 2, But understand this, that in the last days, 
There will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents. And then after going through a whole list of other sins, Paul ends that whole list of sins of which disobedience to their parents is one and says, avoid such people. Avoid those who would be disobedient to their parents. A mark that would characterize the last days and its sin, dishonor of parents. In the context of the church, Hebrews 3.17, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. 1 Peter 2, 16-17, Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but live as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. You think of the character of the emperors at that time, that makes that statement all the more stark. Romans 13, 1, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Now, we we go through all those. You, You see how much God values honoring, honoring those he has put in authority. It's It's throughout God's word. And that's what we see. We see that in our point, to whom do we show honor? Catechisms answers this by saying, Father and mothers and all those in authority over me. This is one of those places where the commandment refers to a much broader category than to the principle given. It isn't just mothers and fathers. It is truly all those in authority. Scripture fills out what this means. As as we read from Colossians 3, it shows it means wives honor their husbands, children submit and obey their parents, slaves do so to their masters, and I would apply that to employees and employers. And we all submit to governing authorities. They're the rulers. And as we did this morning, I want to take a little bit of time and and really highlight to young people how this commandment is presented and and presented to you especially, even as it's worded, to honor your father and your mother. That boys and girls, that young people, you would honor your parents. And this means so much more that you just don't roll your eyes at them. It means so much more than that you just don't outwardly speak to them in a disrespectful way. As I already said, it means you treat them with importance and weight of substance. That is how you are called to treat them. This means you talk to them. You talk to them. You communicate with them. Shocking, especially to, to older, older kids, to the youth as they mature. It's shocking how many parents have absolutely no idea what's going on with their kids. A very little amount of communication, very little amount of, of giving and taking of, of, of a relationship. It's dishonorable to not communicate with them. It's dishonorable not to value them not to love them enough to to talk to them and to care enough what they say. You treat them with importance and weight. You treat them as those who can give to you a lot of, of, of advice and wisdom. And this is why I hope this sermon would tie in very well to what we went through this morning. 
That, that sons, you would go to your fathers, that you would use them in your battle against sin, you would use them to help you fight temptations, that you would use them to gain understanding, that you, you would be to them an a honorable son, that you would seek them out. Daughters, that you would do the same, that you would go to your mothers, that you would learn from them how to be a godly woman, that you would confide in them. God's word clearly says that ordinarily, Ordinarily, the, the most close relationship you can have and the one that will bring the most blessing is from parents to children. It highlights that. We can see this, and I'm going to critique in, in, the, the, the ways our, our culture and our church cultures, broadly speaking, have done this in the past. There is a level of immaturity, a level even of just dishonor that has been sort of just accepted in these youth circles and in youth ministries in the past decades. One pastor said it, that uh, youth pastors were able to, you, churches needed to find youth pastors who were able to relate to young people on their level who were about 15 minutes older than, and I'm adding this, and possess just enough immaturity to connect with the youth, but enough maturity to be able to, to, to be hired for that role, something like that. I, youth ministry is not bad, it's not wrong, it's great. Nor do I critique youth pastors in general and what that might imply. But what should be critiqued is this pandering to immaturity, this pandering to youth, to this pandering to the idea that what they want they get and that they shouldn't be brought up and elevated and be brought up to maturity, to be brought up to those who would look at what is a great example. That's the idea, to, to pander to immaturity instead of to guiding them. The example that God would give is that we would put before the youth those who would be a father, like the father of Proverbs. Or you think of the Apostle Paul who told all of the churches to imitate him, is what the Apostle Paul said. Paul also spoke of Timothy and Timothy's relationship to his mother and his grandmother. And in other words, what God would put forth for, for the youth of the day is that they would seek godly, wise, mature saints and that they would learn from them, that they would honor them that they would respect age. That they would respect age. That's not in our culture at all. The, the, the youth of the day seem to set the trends. Again, it's, it's a pandering to. It's, it's sort of this false elevation that says that, that you are the, the, the trendsetters and the culture is at your, your command, at your hands. And in some respects, it is. And that shows what a, what a mess we're in. Today we, we see that. The culture and the church have a warped understanding of this. It's, it's not to be more youth-like, but it's to bring the youth to be officers in the church as, as far as the men are concerned, for, for the women in the church to be raised up to be godly and, and mothers or grandmothers or singles in the church who are using their gifts for the, the service and enrichment of others and, and our examples to follow, and we follow them. We respect and honor them. to learn from the example of older, mature saints how to handle the things of the world. How do you handle alcohol? Do you learn it from your peers? Or should you be learning it from mature saints who, who exercise control, who know how to handle these things, who show how to enjoy God's creation but with limits and boundaries? To learn how to speak, to learn how to interact. This is a profound weakness in the ways in which schooling even is done. And I say this so that we are just aware of it. What, what we do is we place all of our kids amongst their peers and their age groups, and this is the, the primary influence around them is those who are at the same level of immaturity that they are. 
And we need to be aware of that. We need to be aware that that is often what is shaping our kids' lives, is, is their peers. That's, that's not a good thing to just let that be, to not, to not be aware of that, to not at least try to, to seek to correct that. And I would speak to you, boys and girls, to you kids, that you'd be aware of that. That what you are called to do is to honor your parents, to honor your elders, to honor those in authority. And that means, again, that you go to them. You seek advice. There's this idea that the youth, again, will, will reject it. And I'm, I'm sure we've all seen this. I was reminded of this. You can kind of see this at family parties, especially when you've seen the, the kids as they've grown up and they, they're younger and they're running around at family parties. They're playing and it's, it's just what they do. And then, then as they get older, as they get more to the middle school, high school age, you see a shift happen. And it's the, should we call it just the bump on the log syndrome? As uh, they, they come in and they, the, the body language is clearly one, I don't want to be here. And I'm going to show that by sitting on the couch in the corner on my phone and, and just I don't need to have any interaction with anyone here. It's sort of the conveying that where would I rather be? Who would I rather be with? I'd rather be with the peers and the friends and on social media and on these things that are far, far, far more important to me than these other things. And, and I can assure you, young people, that you are not as cool as you think you are and the adults around you are not as lame as you think they are. And that's just being wise. That's just listening to God's word and listening to this commandment. He would have you learn from your parents. Yes, the parents that our culture says have nothing to do with them. Ignore them. That's a corrupt influence from the world. That's not biblical. That's not what we are called to do. But what about in other relationships? All people, all of us, we're not off the hook just because we are no longer in our parents' household. How do we treat authorities? Because the same applies to how we treat the church officers. The same applies to how we treat those in society, perhaps with a different sort of tilt, a different bent to it. No, we don't go to civil magistrates and ask for advice in that sense, but, but we are still called to, to treat them with honor and respect. And what do we do in those relationships? As First Peter 2 had said, honor the emperor... And all that that meant, are we doing that? Are you doing that? Are you displaying that to your kids, that you would honor authority to such levels, even to those who are dishonorable in authority? How do we show that honor? How do we show it? Catechism says that I show honor, love, and faithfulness, submit myself with proper obedience to all their good teaching and discipline. To show honor is to treat with respect and weight as of substance, like we said already, but as it also means, it means to treat them with love. Well, what's love? Scripture explains love in this way. Scripture says love is patient and kind. Are we patient and kind to parents, to elders? It says that love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. Are we rude to leaders and those in authority over us? That love does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. Oh, it's very easy to be irritable and resentful to leaders and authorities, to parents. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love never ends. That's what we're called to do. That's how we are to show honor to love. 
to love parents, to love elders, and even, and again, it's in sort of a different way, but to show love to civil rulers, to show care, to pray for them. First Timothy 2 talks about that, to pray for our, our rulers and authorities. It also means that we treat them and that we are faithful, that we're not faithless. It's to be steadfast. It means we don't just turn away. It means that even in their own weaknesses, we don't just fall away and say, oh, you've done one too many mistakes. You're done. You're dead to me. We treat with faithfulness. Remember that it was the steadfast love of God. It's the faithfulness of God that set his son above, or it sent his son down, rather, to this earth. And it's the faithfulness of Christ that caused him to submit to authorities throughout his life. His parents, the religious authorities of the day, the civil rulers and magistrates who the God of the universe submitted himself to in Jesus Christ. Submitting includes proper obedience to their teaching and discipline. You see, here's what we're getting at and why we're going through it to this degree. If you want to honor Christ, you better honor authority. You want to honor Christ, you better honor authority. And why is that? When you show honor to anyone in authority, it's not fundamentally about them. And in truth, it really has nothing to do with them. It has to do with Christ who has put them there. It has to do with that. And that's why it matters. You know, how we might speak of the president or governors or rulers, they'll never know. They'll never hear our words. But Christ does. We think, ah, it's no harm. It's no harm to just run them down here because they won't know. I wouldn't say this to their face. But you've said it to Christ's face. And what God's word puts before us is that they are those he's put in place. And, and yes, many, many of them are not worthy. Many, many of them, if not the majority of them, are hard to follow. They are disrespectful people. That's often the case. That just affords us even a greater opportunity to show more honor to Christ, that we would submit to him ultimately by submitting to, to such poor rulers. Because we would honor what he has done and what he has called us to do. We submit, we obey, we listen. But that brings up the point, but what about those when they fail? What, how do we honor when there's failure? We've left this off to this point, but what about parents who are bad? What about civil rulers who are tyrannical? What about unhealthy situations? What about church leaders who are abusive and not acting as they should? Well, it's that we'd also be patient with their failings. And we'd be patient with their failings. Again, that means we, we are willing to, to look over insults. We are willing to still obey and listen, even when it isn't the best situation. Now, we do use wisdom there. We have plenty of examples in God's word that tell us we obey God above man. We do not listen, nor do we submit to any ruler who would call us to do something wrong or keep us from doing what God has called us to do. You are, you are not duty-bound to obey that, but you are not then given the green light to dishonor them. You may have been given the green light to disobey, but not to disrespect. And that's the idea. That's how we would, we would go about it. And it's not easy situations on any, in any sphere, in the, in the home, in, in government, in society, in the church, when there is abuse, when there is an overreach, how do you respond? A lot of that has to be dealt with in wisdom and understanding. But the default is not, okay, I'll just overthrow what they've said. I'll just ignore them. The default is still to be patient. 
to be patient within reason, to exercise obedience. Even for a long time, to bear with something that we know is unfair, but that we are willing to bear anyways, just as Christ did. Are we willing to do that? We can take the example of family strife, especially with adult children. Usually parents take a hard stance on something, something they disapprove of. The kids don't agree. It's at that point where these, these kids are adults and what could end up happening. What can end up happening is the child just ignores the parents, cuts them out of their life. The parents might even just disown the child. There's some cutting off. Now, and if you're in that situation, if you're the child, if your parents are biblically wrong, well, what do you do? Well, yes, the answer is you may not listen to them necessarily. You may, you may in that way disobey what is a wrong set of advice or a wrong rule that they are placing on you. But, but again, you don't just cast off. You treat as significant. You treat with love. You treat with weight. You treat with patience. Sometimes all that's really being asked of us is to be patient in what we're being called to do, to show respect to perhaps parents or others that we, we take time. We take time to, to try to talk to them, to convince them, to show them that respect. We don't just immediately go do what we might want. We treat them with patience. It's, it's hard to give more advice than that because it is situation-specific for how you would respond when there is abuses happening. Of course, when there's, when there's abuse of a, of a rather evil and wicked kind, you remove yourself from that situation. Of course, we have to use that type of wisdom. God's not telling us that here, but the general order of things is to live in honor the weight of Scripture is clear. If we don't honor authorities, even when they're bad, the greater dishonor is not done to them, but to God who has put them there. That's how we are to see it, that we would dishonor Christ. We then would not have enough humility to do what he did in a position far different than ours, in a position far different than David's. The God of the universe who has all the authority and power listened to, to, to earthly parents, submitted to, to Mary and Joseph and to the corrupt leaders of the day. And if Jesus did that, are we saying that we are of some kind of higher level than him, that, that we don't have to? We can do our own thing? Obeying authorities on earth and submitting to them is to submit to God. Let us be like David, who would not offend the Lord by putting himself above the king, who would not strike the Lord's anointed, but would allow the Lord to fight his battle. You know, that's a key part of this. Some of it is we just trust that the Lord will carry out his justice in his timing, and we, like David, may not take or, or don't need to take matters into our hand. That God would do his will. That's often a key part of how we deal with, with those who are in authority but are exercising it sinfully and wrongly. Let us be like David who would not offend the Lord by putting himself above the king. If you want to honor Christ, you better honor authority respect and show honor to God and you will only know blessing by doing that. And you will only bring him honor and that's the whole point. Honor God through honoring your parents and all those in authority. Amen. Let's pray. God in heaven, we ask that you would be with those of us here even as we seek to, to honor authorities in the church through our 
church officers, as we would seek to honor authority in the government and civil rule, as well as in the families. We pray that you would be with the kids and the young people here, that you would help them to, to know how to show honor and that they would show respect and show patience and that we would do the same to, to those we've been called to submit to. We pray that we would be patient even with failings. We pray that you would give to us wisdom to know at times when, when there must be disobedience, when there must be a turning from that way, but, but to still be able to do it in a way that shows respect. Lord, we do this not because the authorities on this earth are so grand, but you are. And this is your command to us, and so we pray we would follow it. We ask this in your great name.